0: Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we will spend the next couple hours up till 5 p.m. here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We'll talk about uh, international travel, uh, some sports, some public safety, all kinds of interesting and pertinent topics for your listening pleasure today. Uber producer Dan Peters, you heard his voice moments ago doing the news and weather for you here on Information 1000 KSOO. Thanks for hanging out with us today on your radio. Uh, Maybe you're driving around town, checking out, you know, what you got to do, doing your doing your errands, taking care of business, what have you, or streamed live at KSO.com, maybe in a cube farm somewhere. We feel bad for you there. Dan and I are
1: here to help you out. Because if you get up in the morning with your alarm clock warning, take the 815 into the city. <laughs> There's a whistle up above, and people pushing, people shoving, with the girls who try to look pretty. <laughs> Uh,
0: I could go on. But the, yeah, I know yeah. you could. Uh, that, of course, the ever resourceful, aforementioned Uber producer Dan Peters uh, reciting
1: the lyrics of "Taking Care of
0: Business." Taking care of the business every day. Taking care of business anyway. every way. Every way. See, he's Dan. Is he's got this mind? It's like a, a just a, a, a vault of lyric song lyrics, uh, historical trivia. Uh, pop culture references.
1: That's what makes me so good at karaoke. <laughs> I don't have to stare, focused right. at the screen. You can, I can ad lib a little bit. That's right.
0: You can to. move around the stage, moving and grooving, kicking it. Now, if you when you do karaoke, Dan, what's your preferred? Your course? At, you're a country guy, right?
1: Yeah. So I I do a lot of Merle Haggard, really? George Strait, Alan Jackson. That's in my my vocal range.
0: We should probably have that on the show one day, some Merle Haggard. I I could go in, just a good old boy.
1: No, that's Waylon Jennings. What would you sing if you're doing Merle? Oh, man. I I usually do Ramblin' Fever. My hat don't hang on the same nail too long. (laughs) That's awesome. We got to do that.
0: We're going to do that. We're going to have radio karaoke. Oh, boy. Is that possible? That's got to be possible, isn't it?
1: I think we could set it up.
0: Oh, right on. Uh I don't know if I would do radio karaoke. <laughs> but if I did, like maybe Dire Straits. I could do Dire Straits. Industrial Disease. Money for Nothing, No, not that one. And the chicks for free. Let's go down to the waterline. That's what I Mo. I like that. I like that that sort of husky husky version of Mark Knopfler that that's what I'd pick. We'll see what we can't do for you people. I don't know if that's good for the show or not, but it's, it's our show. So
1: we'll, we'll probably have the, the, uh, we'll be able to look back on the, on the downloads of the KSO mobile app. Yes. to Tell us how we're doing in that regard. <laughs>
0: Speaking of which you can get the KSO mobile app on all the platforms. Uh, and you of course can follow us on Facebook live. We got the Twitter up at P Lally show, uh, Mr. Peters, of course, manning that. Um, we got kind of sidetracked with this. And, you know, one thing uh, the Boon Man once told me, though, when we were talking about what we were going to be doing on the show, he said, you know, if you and I think it's funny, then it's funny. So it doesn't really matter if other people think it's funny. Same thing with uh, doing radio karaoke. If you and I want to do it, we're going to do it.
1: Um, we got to do it good, too. You got to do it well.
0: Yes, I I probably would have to make sure I had the lyrics, but I like down to the waterline I got pretty well. I got, I know that one pretty well. Once it starts, I'd be all right. But it's it's hard isn't it to uh not have to look at the
1: lyrics. Oh yeah, if if you did not take part in writing those lyrics. Yeah. And and also Singing them over and over and over and over in a studio, right? Where those lyrics are eventually burned in your memory. Yep, that that makes a whole lot of difference. You know that that's where the professionals have that advantage because yep. they have those songs have burned themselves indelibly into their memories, and and, and to some degree, they probably are probably. Maybe burned a little bit too much, and maybe <laughs> yeah, charcoal broiled,
0: right. yeah, see because you think you know the lyrics because you know you're riding around in your car or whatever, and uh, you're singing, but you're singing at the same time as the other uh, as the actual artist, so you have a you have this cue, you have this kind of verbal cue in your brain that takes you from one. when you don't have that and you strip the lyrics out and you just have the music, yeah, it's a different deal altogether
1: oh yeah, you got to bring it
0: I've never done karaoke, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Stage fright. Yeah. Very shy.
1: Not enough liquid courage. <laughs> That's what all that is.
0: No. I uh I just uh I have a bad singing voice. It doesn't stop me from singing, but I I sing on the air sometimes. It's just not good. Um that said, we have a great show for you today. Uh our guests include Sioux Falls Police Chief Matt Burns will be here in the second hour. And a lot going on with the police department for us to talk about, including their fancy new app. And the common man returns from his European vacation for weird friends. I will have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, meeting? What meeting? Oh, that meeting. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, indeed, we're going to get a little closer to free here at about 3.18 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. As we listen to the familiar tones of the theme show, the p and Statement by the Bodines. And we thank our good friends, the Bodines, for that. Uh, yeah, so this is a time of day when we look through the news and look for things that are upsetting to us, uh, enlightening to us, encouraging, Disturbing. All of the good things in life, all the great emotions there. And uh, so Friday, uh, it was revealed, uh, started, news started to break that uh, Michael Cohen, you remember Michael. He's the uh, president's former, it would seem, fixer lawyer guy. Um, he claims uh, that Trump knew in advance of the 2016 Trump Tower meeting that came out. That was broke on Friday from CNN. And uh, p- according to people uh, uh, with with knowledge of the incident, of course, uh, not Mr. Cohen actually saying these things, which is an important point. Um, but then I found uh, this very interesting piece from The Fix at The Washington Post, which is their analysis uh, digital component. And this is by Aaron Blake, and it was written, I think, Friday. What's today, the 30th uh, Friday? It was Friday. I just saw it uh, over the weekend, and it's headlined, Michael Cohen is now alleging what would be the Trump team's worst cover-up yet, and so it's this deal about how Michael Cohen reportedly said he heard President Trump talking about and approving that fateful Trump Tower meeting. Despite Trump and his team's denials that Trump knew anything about it at the time, Cohen also reportedly says that this is known to other people, other people who could conceivably corroborate it to special counsel, Robert S Mueller, the third. Now, you know, there's a lot of ifs and ifs and buts here. Obviously nothing is done. Nothing is in the can, but there's, um, what this piece does is sort of go through, uh, the, as it says, uh, the worst of the worst of the, uh, Trump's, uh, denials that have since been proven to be false. Um, Number one, Trump didn't know about the Trump Tower meeting, the denials. No, Trump told Reuters in July 2017 about the June 2016 meeting. Of course, this is where uh, Don Jr. and uh, some other folks met with uh, some Russians, right, in the Trump Tower. That's the Trump Tower meeting. He said, uh, that I didn't know until a couple of days ago when I heard about this. No, I didn't know about that. He told the Times, no, I didn't know anything about it. Donald, Donald Jr. also denied it under oath. The truth uh again cohen's version is not corroborated at this point but he's apparently willing to testify to it and were this denial to fall apart it would be perhaps the most serious false denial according to the post given the trump tower meetings centrality to the russia investigation and the fact it could open up trump jr to potential perjury allegations denial number two Trump wasn't involved in the response to the Trump Tower meeting. The denials. Quote, I wasn't involved in the statement drafting at all, nor was the president, said Trump's personal lawyer, J. Asukalo. Sukolo, Sukolo, on July 12th, 2017. He added on a separate program that day. The president didn't sign off on anything. He was coming back from the Group 20 summit. The statement that was released on Saturday was released by Donald Trump Jr. I'm sure in consultation with his lawyers, the president wasn't involved in that. The truth! The Washington Post soon reported that Trump had dictated Trump Jr.'s initial misleading statement on the meeting. And last month in court filings, Trump's legal team for the first time admitted that on the record. Including, this is from the the, uh, filing, the president dictated a short but accurate response to the New York Times article on behalf of his son, Donald Trump Jr., so he did know about it. Number three, the Trump team didn't talk to Russians. The denials—it never happened. Trump spokesman Hope Hicks said in November 2016, there was no communication between the campaign and any foreign entity during the campaign. The truth—we now know about the Trump Tower meeting with a Russian lawyer tied to Vladimir Putin and other Russians. We also know about various contacts between now Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the Russian ambassador. We also know about Eric Prince meeting in with a Russian close to Putin possibly set up a back channel of communication. Number four, the Trump team didn't know about the National Enquirer Karen McDougal m- m- payment. McDougal, Karen McDougal. Denial. We have no knowledge of any of this, Hicks said when the Wall Street Journal first reported late in the 2016 campaign that National Enquirer's parent company, American Media Inc., had purchased the rights to Playboy model Karen McDougal's story of an alleged affair with Trump. The truth. Trump had spoken with Cohen about buying the rights to the story on a 20, 20, September 2016 tape that Cohen re- released publicly this week. It's not clear how many of the details of the situation Trump himself knew, apart from the price, and apparently he was buying something from AI head David Pecker. But he clearly knew enough for Hicks to uh, not to offer such an absolute denial, and Cohen clearly knew a lot. Number five, Trump didn't stay overnight in Moscow in 2013. Former FBI Director James B. Comey has said Trump denied to him on two occasions that he stayed overnight in Moscow during the 2013 Miss Universe pageant there when an allegation in the Steele dossier suggests that Russia may have obtained compromising video of him. The truth. Flight records indicated that Trump's plane was in Moscow from Friday to Sunday morning, meaning he had stayed over at least one night. Faced with this evidence, Trump denied that he had ever told Comey that he didn't stay overnight in Moscow he said I didn't stay there a night. Of course I stayed there, Trump told Fox News. I stayed there a very short period of time, but of course I stayed. Well, this, his memo said I left immediately. I never said that. I never said I left immediately. Number six, Trump didn't know about the Stormy Daniels payment. He was not aware of any, uh, any of it, Cohen's lawyer and spokesman, David Schwartz, said of Trump in March. Schwartz added with 100% certainty that Trump didn't reimburse Cohen. Goes on a little bit there. The truth, Rudolph W. Giuliani eventually spilled the beans, saying Cohen, quote, funneled it through a law firm and the president repaid it. Trump later confirmed Cohen was placed on a retainer. So what's the deal? It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the problem is, at this point, you can't believe anything Trump says. Because it keeps changing. He sends Rui Giuliani out there every weekend to adjust the record and change the perception. But when you start going through it, it's just one lie after another. No, I didn't know anything about that. Well, here's the data. Here's what happened. Ah, I didn't say I didn't know anything about it. (laughs) You know? It's it's just bizarre, and the the, th- the thing about it is, most of these things, did you stay overnight in Moscow? Yes. That doesn't mean there's uh, compromising information necessarily. That's still sort of a wild flight of fancy. Maybe it's true, I and mean, nobody knows that's true. But it's pretty easy to prove you stayed overnight. Did you know about the, did you help Donald Jr. uh, with that memo? No. Well, it turned out he did. Ah, dang it. Yes, I did do that. (laughs) Have you ever met a Russian? No. What about this guy in this photo? (laughs) Yeah, okay. I did. Crap. It's hard to, it's hard to believe anybody. All right. There's no credibility after a while. And you can slough it all off as, you know, fake news and and being attacked by the liberal media. But in the end, is it true or is it not true? Look somebody in the eye and tell the truth once. That's the problem I have. And that's why powerful politicians often get in trouble. The lying, the obfuscating, the dodging, the self-interest. That's what gets you in the end. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Oh, I'd love it if you would. Either way, Patrick at KSO.com. Of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's the return of the common man. From parts of Ireland that we will get into in a moment. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I rode into town
2: on a crippled horse. Got fired from a cattle drive. Love, North. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael, 45.
0: And I'm very pleased to have back with us in country, fresh off his European vacation, the one, the only, the common man. Common man, schluncher. Schluncher
2: to you, Patrick, me good boy.
0: <laughs> and so you were, well, you've been on the show for like three weeks.
2: I know. I've, I've been uh, traveling across the, across Europe, trying to make my, my mark in this world. Seeing some places.
0: Expanding your horizons.
2: Going back to the homeland.
0: <laughs> the old sod.
2: The old sod. Yes. Picking some
0: rocks. So, yeah, you spent uh, eight lovely days in uh, the homeland. Of Emerald Ireland. Island, yeah. yes. And so uh, as you come back to beautiful South Dakota, uh, do, you, do, you, do you have a yearning to return? Oh, was yeah. It, was it a deep connection to the people and the land and, a, 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 you know, feeling your ancestral roots
2: Oh, definitely! Definitely, you know, it's it's one of the, the things that's fantastic. There is, there's, a, it's called the Epic Museum in in Ireland, uh Dublin, and you go there and they have the uh, it's you go through the whole uh, famine and and all the other reasons that people emigrated from Ireland mm-hmm. uh, to Australia and all the other places, and and you know, it's a wonderful thing. And then they have a place where you can go back through your genealogy, which was fantastic, and so you get a whole different appreciation for the Irish people, and and you know it's. You know, there's there's people who could vie for the title, but as uh, so far as oppressed people go, but uh, you know, somewhere on the list are the Irish. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> We've right. taken a pretty serious beating over the years, and it's uh, you know it, it, it can't be denied. But man, it was it's just it's a beautiful country, and they they really uh, enjoy Americans. They they think we're kind of funny, actually, and, and and of course, everywhere you went, you'd say, oh, you're from the states," and say, "Yeah, well, where from the states are you?" Into South Dakota, and it's the big pause, and kind of and they're doing that. They're looking, they're getting a the little map in their head out, and they're going South Dakota, South Dakota. And then I said, ah, and then uh, apologies to my Native American friends, Indian country.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and they
2: said, I said, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they said, do you have a horse? <laughs> so, no, I don't have a horse. <laughs> And then the, this was almost immediately followed ten seconds later by, "How's your man Trump?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say to that? I just
2: I just said, "Well, you know, he's the he's the president, and that's uh, that's how it is, you uh-huh. know." It's, uh, you know, I, t- I, t- I tend to follow the rules of civility, and yes. you know, it's, uh, whatever. But I did learn a great new uh, title for you, Patrick, while What's I was that? over there. You know, we were walking by, and there was a great big giant building, and it said, "It said Office of the T Shock." And it's, spelled, and it's spelled in that great, really weird, all vowels and stuff yeah. way, in it's it's Gaelic for chieftain. Ah, so the Prime Minister of Ireland is the T shock. Really, which it sounds like one of those great Klingon words. <laughs> <Yeah>, that <that's, laughs> makes it sounds pretty impressive when you're the T shock. So you, you know, yeah,
0: I'm I'm the T shock of AM one thousand. Yeah, that's right. The T shock of information one thousand S O O. I I can use that.
2: Oh yeah. It's it's just, it's a beautiful, that's a great title, uh, fantastic. You know, the other thing that was kind of interesting is there's just zero fat people there. Really? Nope. Not a one.
0: How is that possible? Well, have you seen Irish food? Yeah,
2: (laughs) it it certainly didn't have that effect on me. (laughs) No, I I got home and stepped on the scale and it said, one at a time, please. (laughs) uh, But it, it yeah, they're, but they're they're super. You know, all their things. Are, they're into cycling, and, yeah. then, and it's the land. Everybody's every single male in Ireland is five eight and one hundred fifty eight pounds.
0: <laughs> that's why they're good at cycling. They're, they're yeah.
2: light. And then, yeah, and they're just you know, there's these little yeah, hey, I was, you know, it's like wow, and and that's probably why they're able to negotiate the little tiny spaces. You know, the Americans are stumbling over themselves <laughs> over there in the streets, driving. Yes, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> did you actually have to drive
2: no no okay. and i wouldn't have not if somebody put a gun to my head i would said go right ahead
0: <laughs> i'm not doing it. it's the same Knock
2: yourself out same year or 10 minutes from now and this will be quicker
0: <laughs> yeah the, the wrong side
2: of the road is one thing yeah but the, the city street in dublin is about the width of a gravel road in a county somewhere
0: yeah that's right
2: and so these the guys stop our tour bus drivers get this 50-seat bus, and he's just mm-hmm. whizzing around and, you know, going, and there's just roundabouts everywhere. And I'm, like, trying to figure out, <laughs> except they go the opposite way, of course.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you're all messed up.
2: So just, it's, yeah, I just, I closed my eyes after a while, and I just said, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Make it, Make it stop but well, i mean he he would pull into these he'd back he'd back a fifty seat bus into these little spots and go, eh, that ought to be good for a little while <laughs> oh okay, kidoki, so yeah. yeah it was it was great, but but probably the biggest food observation, yeah, is ketchup
0: yeah. What the? Uh, is ketchup's good, right?
2: I'll, I'll, I'll tweet you a little picture that, that I took of. And we went, you know, they serve chips, which are basically French fries, big yeah. kind of steak fries, with just a lot of things that they have. So you go, no, okay. So you ask for ketchup, and the first thing they do is bring you mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, oh, okay,
0: and some vinegar,
2: <laughs> okay. And I said, no, no, well, you know, you know, ketchup. They, oh yes, ketchup, ketchup, and they're you know they're very accommodating. Oh yes, yes, yes. And they run and they get the ketchup. And, it, and they bring you a bottle of ketchup that is if you had like a Gerber baby bottle for of of food. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's smaller than that.
0: <laughs> it's a they go, Here before, you go. Yeah.
2: And they kinda put they sit on the table and they, you know, pat you on the head and it's like, Oh, yeah, no, aren't you happy now? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no. I said, Well I said, You might as well just keep those coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bring one with every beer, please. <laughs> We're going to make
2: a pyramid of these. I, and uh,
0: the, the thing I, I, you know, I, I noticed that when I was in Italy too, there just weren't any fat people. And you, you know, the, it's Italian. You know, the food is awesome. I, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand. I try not to eat anything, you know, and I'm still fat. Well,
2: I, the one thing I notice is when you watch television, on American television, you know, it's there's Taco Bell ads, there's Burger King ads, there's yeah. this ad, there's food shows and. You know, in Ireland, it's just like, you know, there, there's never, there's not an ad for, like, go, go out, and you can get the the three-quarter pounder, which, you know, there's not the food porn there is on uh, on American television.
0: We are, we are an obsessed and lucky people, that's for sure.
2: It's, uh, and that's, that's the sense that they seem to give you, they're like, eh, yeah, you, you guys got it real tough there. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, how do you, get, how do you get out to, of bed in the morning?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know that. The other thing is, there's no air conditioning. Zero, none, ever, nowhere. Well,
0: it's never that hot there. or It didn't used to be.
2: The, but this has been a ten week stretch. As I said, it's been an Irish heat wave. So it's been in the 80s. So if you know, if you're from, you know from an American and you get in your hotel room and it's nobody's been in that room for a while and the windows have been closed. Yeah. <laughs> and we pulled out of a lot, and the bus driver says, "Yeah. By the way." Ladies and gentlemen, I uh, hope you enjoyed one of the 10 hotels in Ireland that had air conditioning. The oh, first one wow. did. That was <laughs> it. So, you know, the guys' mouths kind of opened up a little bit, but there, there was open weeping <laughs> from the women on the bus. And I think there was going to be a revolt. But
0: <laughs> Well, you should have known that going in.
2: I said, well, you know, you're the one who signed the contract.
0: <laughs> That's right. Did you look <laughs> at the thing before you signed it? No, you did not.
2: No, you yes, it's, uh, that was a little surprising, but uh, oh, but otherwise, isn't it, you know, the, the, the beer drinking, uh, the Irish rep for enjoyment of alcohol is well earned, <laughs> and they and they're just not big into tipping. No tipping. Yep, I mean they, they you know, it's, uh, I think we had a couple of pints, and or I like think we had three pints, and we sat there, and it was like 18 euros, and so it was like two other dollars. And I was, yeah, so the guy kind of looks at me you gonna pick those up <laughs> <laughs> no. I go, no that's that's for you my friend and he goes and he, he goes he smiles and says thank you and then he shakes his head like we well, yeah, stupid American
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't give away money
2: <laughs> what are you doing you know? <laughs> but that, yeah it was it was fun and you know they're not gonna tell you no yeah that's just, right just not just not done generally
0: uh common uh can you uh stick with me for just a bit here
2: yeah
0: sure absolutely awesome you don't don't nod off because of the jet lag (laughs) we'll be right back with the common man on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo (music) 348 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo come black and tans irish descendants i was
2: born in the Street where the loyal drums do beat. And the loving English people walked all over us. And every single night when he'd have it, come home tight, he'd invite the neighbors out with his chorus. Come out, chip black and tan, come out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. Tell her how the IRA made you run like hell away from
0: the green and lovely lace there we go, man. There we go. I should have I should have brought you in right away with that. I don't know what I was well, thinking. Well,
2: yeah. You know, it's funny. is if you, you, When you're in Ireland, you're not supposed to say black and tan for, for the drink that's half innocent and half. Yeah.
0: What you know, are you supposed to say?
2: Call it, call it, that's called a half and half over there.
0: Well, that makes more sense.
2: And my wife, she got pulled in first ten minutes in Dublin. She sits down. She says, I'll have a harp's. This is in Dublin. <laughs> and the guy bristles up and says, you won't find any of that down in the south part of this country, oh madam. Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> did she, uh, she immediately switch up? Oh, uh, yeah.
2: No. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> Coors Light? No. Uh, how did Mrs. Common, uh, uh, you know, hold up on the... Eight she days assimilated
2: around? quite nicely. I, I think there's a... Well, you know, she, she did have a Coors Light, but you know what? It's not the same as Coors Light. You're kidding. It's brewed differently. It's brewed. They have a Coors Light that's brewed in Ireland. It's, so you order it's, Coors Light.
0: It's frothy? It's,
2: <laughs> well, actually, it's got a little more flavor to it, and even Snickers bars are different. What? They, they have a softer nougat.
0: They, they, now, that's just a straight-up violation. <laughs> You're
2: telling me? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm a fat American. I want my, you know, firmer nougat.
0: Do not mess with the nougat. You can do whatever you want with your Coors Light.
2: And they're totally perplexed by Dr. Pepper. They have no idea what the hell's going on.
0: (laughs) It says it's a fruit
2: drink. It's not. That was a little Scottish there, but uh, anyway.
0: (laughs) It's all Gaelic to us. Um, (laughs) Hey, uh, before I let you go, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this when you were gone, when you were overseas, when you were out of touch. Uh, Twins are in the tank. It's over. Is it over? Yep. It's nine games, right?
2: nine, Nine games back, 58 to go. You just uh, you know, traded off your your second best player for for three Class A guys. Probably your best middle reliever for another uh, carton of cigarettes. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, it's done. It's you know, call it good. How are the bikes doing? You know that sort of thing. <laughs>
0: Well, it is almost training camp time
2: well, it is and they're and they're underway, you know, so already you're gonna you know you start to get the reports of this guy's injured that guy's injured That's yeah. you know, it's the the attrition of football, but yeah, I mean in, in all in all, I guess you you look at the season and you evaluate Paul molliter i mean what would you say he did a good or a bad job, Patrick, as far as managing the wins with what he had this year
0: Oh, I think it was good, i mean the you know the the injuries to sano and you know his underperformance you know can you say that he didn't manage well i i, I don't think you can say that can you what do you think
2: I, I wouldn't think so i mean i i would think with what considering what they were expecting the people they were expecting to be you know the the cornerstones of this team and they weren't just no. almost zero
0: Buxton. the bucks
2: and sano's urban santana's
0: yeah Santana pitched g- he's done though Santana is done you, you see he pitched the other day and he did okay but he just had he had nothing on the fastball <laughs> he was throwing 89 miles an hour
2: that doesn't stop
0: Bartolo Bartolo <laughs> still he pitching in Bartolo. the bigs right?
2: Mentioned. yes
0: he'll eventually Bartolo Colon will have played for every major league team
2: <laughs> when the canaries of the contract, ready to roll. <laughs> that'd be a draw I go, oh, see that'd that. be so much fun. I go see that. That'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, common man, we're just very happy that you're back in the states. You know, I I'm am saying? too.
2: You know, getting back into, the, you know, going through Irish. You know, you go in when you enter their country, it's a uh, very pleasant. You know, yeah. coming coming back into America. Ooh, that's a that's a whole different uh, harsh ball re- wax.
0: harsh reentry, right?
2: Yes. Point. Yes, I was ready for the cavity search and, well, actually, frankly, kind of looking forward to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> get cleaned out. Um, right. <laughs> the, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the Sunday ritual starting here pretty soon, by the way.
2: Absolutely. It yep. should, should be fun. I know that we have the, the finest entertainment center known yes. to mankind.
0: That's right. More on that later. Uh, Common Man, back from his trip on We're Friends. We uh, hope to we'll get to talk to you next week, eh?
2: Sounds good, Patrick.
0: Sláinte, my friend.
2: Sláinte. Army. Come out, you black and tans. Come out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. Tell her how
1: the IRA made you run like hell away from the green and lovely lakes of Kilashandra. Oh, come out, you black and tans. Come out and fight me like a man.
3: You- All part of your weekend. me, Beck, and Ramsey. On Information 1000 KSOO.
2: This is a test of the emergency alert. This is a public service
0: announcement. With guitar! No you're right. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, coming up on this weekend, another fantastic weekend in the greater Sioux Falls area for entertainment and activities. That's because it's Sioux River Folk Festival weekend down at Newton Hill State Park. Three days of music, food, beverages, and more presented by South Dakota Friends of Traditional Music. And that's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you can get more information about that event or others at our event calendar at KSO.com. Uh, It is a fantastic event. I plan to be down there this year. Uh, Newton Hills is a wonderful state park, uh, one of many wonderful state parks we have right around here. And uh, I want to mention, the news is out, by the way. I, I teased it last week, and that is coming up on August 7th, Tuesday night, is the premiere of public input at Club David down uh, across the street from Town Hall on 10th Street, where I will be hosting rolling commentary on uh, the proceedings over at Town Hall during city council meetings with uh, two friends of the show, Matt Staub, disgruntled former city commissioner, Matt Staub, and of course, uh, Scott Erisman, blogger at South Dakota. So that should be a good time. August 7th, mark your calendars. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Chief of Police, Matt Burns. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 413 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And there has been a lot of conversation about uh, this city and how safe it is or isn't. And uh, different people have different perspectives on that. And uh, so, you know what, we figured we'd go right to the guy who knows and that's Sioux Falls Police Chief Matt Burns. Chief Burns, thank you very much for coming in today. Hey, you're welcome. Glad to be here. So uh, we were just talking a little bit. How long have you been uh, the Chief of Police now?
3: Yeah, in October it'll be three years.
0: Wow. It seems like only yesterday you were just coming on the force. Yeah, right. yeah,
3: 1996.
0: So you you started out as a, a freshly scrubbed uh, uh, patrolman, or how did you start on the force?
3: Yeah, I did. I came on uh, brand new to uh, the law enforcement profession in 1996. Uh, I just uh, grad- graduated college and in the military prior to that, so i didn't have any prior experience, but uh, that's the thing about the job uh, you You get that experience quickly
0: yeah it's not like you, you know you you can learn how to be a policeman uh, until you are an actually a policeman right You can do all the background you can learn the the basics of of uh, the law and you can learn uh, how to use your firearm and drive the car and all that stuff, all of which has when you hit the street how much of that actually is the day-in, day-out job.
3: You know, you learn the job by doing it. There's no substitute for just being in a community, talking to its citizens, taking reports, providing that basic service of public safety, and just working with the public on a daily basis. That's where you really learn how to do the job, and uh, that's the best way to learn it.
0: When you started in 1996, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but there were a hundred thousand people in the city for sure, probably, but not money, not much more than that. Yeah. So you're talking about a city that was maybe two thirds the size, or even less than that, right?
3: Yeah, about that, and and so, uh, you know, some of your boundaries. Like if you'd get out there on on West Madison, uh, Kiwanis an area, and you were out in, in cornfields, and, yeah, and there are areas south on Louise Avenue that. Uh, that we're just uh, in cornfield yet and, and agriculture, so the city continues to grow in all directions and it's grown a lot you know in the last uh, twenty two plus years. but that's a good thing you know with with the growth that we've experienced um, it, it, we've experienced challenges there's challenges before us, but um, that that's the direction you go. yeah
0: we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know what's been going on uh, in the news and uh, the different challenges that we do face. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about right away was this perception of safety, right? And sometimes I think people out in the hinterlands of South Dakota or just even a little ways outside have this idea that there's, I don't want to exaggerate it, but you know, there's like bands of uh, desperados roaming the streets of Sioux Falls, and that's just not the case. When you you hear people say, is this a safe place to live, or uh, make some sort of comment about whether or not Sioux Falls is safe, that don't live here, what do you tell them? Well,
3: I tell them it absolutely is a safe place to live. Uh, you know, we, we've always had a certain amount of crime in Sioux Falls, and that that crime and those crime rates have increased as our population has increased, as our MSA, frankly, our metropolitan mm-hmm. statistical area around us, the four counties, have have increased. That That's just a natural function of growth. But what we haven't seen is that rate exceed the rate of the population. In fact, just last year we reported to the public and the council that Thirteen out of our fifteen primary categories of crime that we tracked were actually down in 2017 from 2016. Uh, I can tell you that thus far we just did a six-month Snapchat, mm-hmm. a snapshot rather of. It could of, be a <laughs> Snapchat. That's okay. It, it certainly could be. Of those <laughs> of those similar rates, and, and we're seeing that they're they're holding very steady, with just minor variations. Uh, so no big swings, and so that's encouraging because we know that in in this year 2018 we'll have another. 3,500, 4,000, 4,500 people, again, come and make Sioux Falls their home. So, you know, you want to see those things remain steady even while you're growing. And so we have a lot of a lot of officers, a lot of city employees that are working very hard every day to ensure that's the case.
0: Why do you think people have that perception? Because, um, you know, we can talk about one very high-profile person in particular who made a comment that I thought was stunning at the time, and that was Christy Nome during Rep- Congresswoman Christy Nome during the uh, Republican primary— uh said compared us to uh other uh similarly sized midwestern cities and said our our violent crime rate was way out of whack um were you surprised when you heard that
3: yeah you know i, I first of all i'm a realist i know that there are certain things that gets get set in campaigns and folks are trying to to make a point and they'll take mm-hmm. a certain da- data set and and you know Take it in this direction and and I get that, but but the reality is that you know our, our city does have challenges mm-hmm. it certainly does. We have significant challenges with methamphetamine mm-hmm. uh, with with opiate addiction and that that 's growing um, but but those are the same i mean we 're not unique in that not at all, okay. not at all you, you talk to folks, and I do talk to my, my peer group. Uh, in St. Paul, in, in mm-hmm. Minneapolis, certainly in Omaha and in Lincoln, and they're, they're facing the same things. Sioux Falls is not on an island. We're not in a bubble that uh, these things are just occurring exclusively to us and our community. It's happening all over. We'll deal with it in our way, and, in fact, I think we're dealing with it uh, uh, very effectively uh, given the resources we have, and, and we've been blessed with, with a, a generous uh, support by our past administrations and certainly the city council. So you know, I feel like we're on a very positive uh, path here.
0: When you talk about um, that um, we'll get back to, to meth and, and opioids here in a minute, but the, this, how can you that statement by Christine Oman, I'm not trying to be critical of her it was data, and it came from somewhere, and somebody parsed it, and whether they read it wrong or what have you. But do you reach out then? Did you reach out to Christine Oman and say, "You know, you're potentially going to be governor of the state. This is the reality in Sioux Falls."
3: Yeah, you know, there's the, you can do that. A person can reach out and try to correct the record uh, immediately. But I mean, in
0: this particular case, did you do that? Have you chatted with her at all?
3: No, no, I've I've not. But uh, what we do try to impart is just a positive message every day through, either through our media briefing, for our other contacts, you know, with the Sioux Falls media. And one Mm -hmm. thing uh, that we are aware of is we are the largest media market in the state. So everything Mm -hmm. that happens in Sioux Falls gets magnified. It gets magnified, you know, uh, at six o'clock and at 10 o'clock and certainly in all manner of social media. And so that's just the reality of where we're at. So something that may just have a local effect of X gets X squared yeah. by the time it goes through the, the media.
0: And that's true. I mean, we had uh, we hear about crime. Um, per, let's just talk about homicides. You'll hear about a homicide in, uh, you know, Huron or Kennebec uh, or wherever it is. Nobody's probably, <clears throat> no, probably hasn't been a homicide in Kennebec in 50 years. But, you know, one of these other places in the state. But it's a blurb. You know, it's it's reported, but it's probably ends there unless it's really heinous or something. But when you're here, you know, the police briefing is live. Yeah, <laughs> the 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 reporters are out there trying to figure out what's going on because it's in our city. You do you 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 feel like that there's this just multiplier effect that's that makes it seem a lot worse than it is.
3: I, I think there there is a some sense to that. It makes sense to me that that's occurring.
0: uh, And that may be my perception of Rapid City, too. You know because we get some news from there there's tv stations they share it. so maybe that's true of them as well because sometimes i look at rapid city and i think man what is going on out there
3: one of the things that we've tried to do patrick and we've done this for several years now is try to be very transparent we have Mm -hmm. a daily media briefing and and frankly there's not a lot of of cities let alone police departments that have that daily briefing we think it's important for the citizens to hear that for us to be transparent Mm -hmm. to for us to be real and put that information out there we had to cur- curtail that a little bit when Marcy's Law came into effect, but there's mm-hmm. been some reform piece put mm-hmm. in put in since then, and so that's that's helping a little bit. We'll maybe yeah. talk about the crime mapping yeah. uh, here momentarily, but it is important for the citizens and for the, for the, the MSA of you know, folks who are coming into Sioux Falls to work and live and play and and shop and do all those fun things too, to know that to know what the state of play is when it comes to crime and public safety in
0: our city. Yeah, we're talking to Chief Matt Burns of the Sioux Falls Police Department. Um, then let's address another perception too, and that is the core of the city. Do you, I, people there are people who live here that think that the core <clears throat> is more dangerous than the rest of the community. Is that true?
3: I don't believe that that's true. I think that there's a certain types of crimes that you may be more apt to see and get more reports of in the core just because it's a different dynamic in the core than it is out in maybe some of the out, outlying parts. But it's no different. Than any other uh, municipality that you see that that has a more mature part of the city mm-hmm. than others as they continue to evolve and grow, so you just you, you know you try to uh, police those areas uh, in a in a smart way and you put the resources towards the needs where they where they are you know and and so we've done that with some of our safe streets initiatives we're probably going to talk here shortly about our narcotics crime unit coming up and so you you kind of look and see what what are the needs of that community what are we hearing from the citizens, what are their concerns and the things that they reach out to the, to the city, to the mayor's office, and certainly uh, my office on. And then you, you try to work with those citizens to a positive effect.
0: Yeah, and certainly when you start talk, talking about um, methamphetamine, opioid, that's not, that's not something that's uh, uh, limited to the, the center of the city. No. Know, methamphetamine use is something that happens in every part of the community. Yeah,
3: in every social demographic, yeah. in every zip code you know, in, in, in all parts of the city, it, it really does.
0: Um, it, how do you, when we talk about methamphetamine, it's been around a long time, uh, and it seems like it ebbs and flows a little bit. We went through a period there for a while where you're seeing all these mobile labs, right? And so there's a big effort to crack down on the, uh, the the core materials that you use to make methamphetamine in a two liter bottle or whatever it is. And that seemed to limit that. What has happened, what are the forces at work now that make us say, we have another. We have a methamphetamine problem. This is what we need to do something.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. So the, the forces that went into into play uh, to, uh, I guess, reduce the the homegrown or the meth labs mm-hmm. really worked. And so what it did, it created a different economy, a drug economy, if you will. So now that, that we're not seeing those homegrown labs, we're not seeing those. Are they one off here and there once in a while, yes, but they're rare. Frankly, the methamphetamine that's coming into the Midwest and to South Dakota largely comes through the southern border. Uh, the DEA tells us that. The uh, mm-hmm. the HIDA, uh, High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Task Force uh, folks tell us that. You know, our other federal partners say, yeah, they're coming through established uh, trafficking routes. And, and it's made in super labs. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very pure. Uh, the price has never been lower because the supply has never been greater. And that's what we're fighting in, mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls, you know, in Mitchell, in Aberdeen, in every city across our state. We're fighting those that same effect of that hyper supply. Uh, but frankly if, if the addiction wasn't there if mm-hmm. that wasn't so profoundly strong um, and then you know the desire and the need for it based upon that addiction we wouldn't be s- fighting in this problem the way we are it's just a profoundly addictive drug that has horrific catastrophic consequences for individuals for families and for for frankly lives
0: what do you need uh, how can you as a local police department fight the flow of cheap highly addictive drug across the the southern border and flowing up into the middle of the country. What are you going to do? What do you need?
3: Well, I can tell you what we are doing about it. We have uh, uh, six full-time detectives and just adding a seventh assigned to our a drug task force, mm-hmm. or narcotics crime unit, we're going to put into place to try to target that in a little bit different way. We can mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute. But, but uh, you know, I, I look to our federal partners who really have that long reach um, and, can, and can help us interdict those trafficking routes. Uh, and I just would would ask uh, for, for more resources for those good <laughs> folks because it's it's a big, it's a big battle and, and, and you know I know that there's legalization talk going across our country. Well, I, I sure hope that folks don't apply that to methamphetamine because that's in a whole different class, and uh, that that drug d- destroys people and destroys lives. And so we need to have ev- do everything we can to try to uh, reduce the effect on our good citizens here in South Dakota and you, Sioux Falls.
0: You tend to be um, just foot soldiers in that, but in terms of like gathering intelligence or passing on what you know or what somebody tells you rather than the top of the organization in that particular respect.
3: Well, every investigation that you undertake at the task force level, you're trying to get up the organization, the the bigger fish as it were all the time. And we have different levels of success with that. And frankly, our seizures this year of uh, methamphetamine are at, at, I dare say, near record levels. I mean, we've seized a lot of meth, but Mm -hmm. that also speaks to the supply that's out there. Mm -hmm. So you're not gonna catch a lot of fish if there's no fish in the pond. So um, that's where we're at.
0: We're gonna come right back and talk more with Chief Matt Burns of the Sioux Falls Police Department, and we'll hit a lot of the other topics of the day right after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 4.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation today with... Chief Matt Burns of the Sioux Falls Police Department, who has been nearly three years in the job as the top cop. Do we do we say top cop? Is that is that an accepted term there?
3: You don't hear that often, but no. but it'll work.
0: Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> you don't you don't hear it often. That's always a bad a bad sign. Uh, why are you? Why did you want to be a policeman? You started your career in Sioux Falls, but you're not from Sioux Falls. Why did you want to be a cop?
3: You know there's i always had an interest uh in in law enforcement. I had an uncle uh, who was a small town officer uh back near home and and I'd ride around with him some and it was just very in, intriguing to how to watch him interact with with people uh, and He was just had a heart for service and he was very real and really took took to the job and i just it was i was intrigued by it so uh, after I was in the service in the air force i I went to college and got my degree in criminal justice and and I just uh, have went down this path, and, and it's been very rewarding. It's been a good
0: job. Where'd you go to school?
3: Uh, University of Central Missouri.
0: Oh, wow. Way downtown. Yeah. Uh, up in the, that's like up in the mountains or the hills. That's, that's got to be hill country down there in Missouri, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a nice area.
0: Um, the, we, we're talking a lot about uh, uh, the, the drug uh, problems that we're having and we're seeing. Now, the, one of the solutions that the new mayor came up with is this drug task force um how how is that going to work it's not like it's you know 30 people out beating the streets but uh what is the drug task force and how is that going to help you in this fight against drug use
3: so we've had what's called the sioux falls area drug task force for sure. for, for several years and there's members of our department on there, detectives uh, uh, sex detectives, and then there's many county deputies on there. There's federal agencies represented, plus the DCI. And so they've been involved, actively involved in drug, drug investigations uh, and, and working those cases for many, many years in Soup Falls. So what we did is I asked my drug task force uh, commanders, I said, what What's going to give you the, the best bang for the buck? What space do we need to p- put another resource in in the narcotics arena that really has the best potential to get us some results? Okay. And so they came back to the idea, and they said, we'd really like to have a couple folks that are detectives but yet are more focused towards uh, the community uh, and being able to respond readily to s- some of the uh, issues and concerns we get through through communications to the city about maybe I've got a lot of short-term traffic mm-hmm. at this residence, or I can smell you know marijuana or I'm really concerned because I, I find used needles in, in my yard right. and I'm concerned for my children. And so our drug task force officers are really more kind of big picture. And while they did handle those matters, it really took their eye off the ball on some of the bigger trying to run down those DTOs or drug trafficking organization folks. And so what we found is we've we've selected two officers to be narcotics NCU uh, narcotics crime unit officers to be able to plug into that space. So they're they're going to work with the task force certainly, but then they're going to be a little bit more focused on on uh, in the community and to taking care of those quality of life
0: issues related to narcotics. Now, one of the things you don't want to have happen is for people to not get a response. I called the police four times. I told them it's going on. Nobody's paid any attention to me. I hear that for, occasionally. And part of it is to have somebody on the ground to do those things, but also you don't want the perception that you, that you aren't doing it.
3: Oh, right. Absolutely, that that is unacceptable to me, and so we work very hard to try to make sure there's a response to every city con- citizen concern. Understand, we work in, at the city, we also work as a team with uh, neighborhood services, so uh, code enforcement folks, mm-hmm. and so when you have a, a challenged or troubled address, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's you know owner occupied or whether it's a rental, uh, you know the, the neighborhood kind of you start to hear some maybe mm-hmm. some concerns about it. You work that problem as a team. So there's the police response, then there's you know uh, neighborhood services and things like this and we usually get a pretty good result uh, at the end of the day. Sometimes it takes a little longer than others, but, but uh, there is a, a team effort there.
0: Because people start thinking uh, that it's not a big enough deal for you to care about, they're going to quit calling altogether, and then you've lost a, an important tool on the ground, right?
3: Right. It, if it's a concern to any one of our citizens, no matter how slight, we, we want to hear about it, and then we will uh, apply the, the necessary resource to that problem, but we want to hear from them.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about your cool new app. Uh, speaking about on the ground uh, you have uh, uh, a new reporting system a uh, data, uh, system that allows you to really dig down into what's going on in your neighborhood. Why don't you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, that's crimemapping.com, and there's a link to that right from our the police page on the city website. Mm-hmm. When we recently changed our public safety uh, reporting software, this was an additional feature that came with that software. And so citizens uh, are able to go, go to this website, plug in their zip code, and they can actually see, uh, and there's a little bit of delay there before it's updated, but not very much, mm-hmm. the crime that's occurring in the reports that we've received uh, from say, Citizens all over our city, and there's different filters you can put on there, and different bits of functionality to kind of personalize it, and lots of different looks. But uh, we we think it's a, a useful tool. We think it's helpful. We think it helps us with our you know desire to be uh, put that information out there, and and and. And so folks have an idea of what's going on. Uh, we also are mindful that we had to be, uh, you know, I guess, uh, along with Marcy's Law, mm-hmm. we had to de-identify that just a little bit to mm-hmm. be in compliance, but it breaks it down to the 100 block of where that occurred. And uh, our, our attorney friends have told us that that's <laughs> sufficient to comply with the law. But and that's also always,
0: that was always the case, right? When you would see uh, uh, the, the police calls, it was always to the 100 block that's always been the way it's been reported but even in that case with marcy's law you were hesitant to do that right
3: yeah because uh you can't be too precise because sometimes there's just one house on that block yeah and and, and that's rare but you have to always be mindful of you know the specific situation so uh, and with marcy's law uh, bear in mind that was a constitutional amendment so mm-hmm. if you get crossways with marcy's law then it's a it's it's a different thing than just you know uh, an ordinance violation or something like that it has larger implications
0: mm-hmm. so uh, i can get the uh, i can Get this information on my computer, mobile, mobile devices, and all that? Can I just use the, the website and any, any internet connected device?
3: Yes, yes, that's my understanding. And it does actually quite well on laptops and, and uh, tablets and things like that. And, and we, we've gotten some good feedback from it, uh, from our friends in the media as well as citizens. Mm-hmm. So we're hopeful that that's going to be a good product for us and serves our needs.
0: That's quite a change in attitude, too, with I think police departments across the country. Uh, Because when data first became uh, available in mapping software, there was some hesitance to put that all out there, wasn't there?
3: Well, yeah, there's a sense of that. I guess uh, you're ch- kind of seeing some reform uh, in those uh, in current thinking of law enforcement leaders. And my view is it's it's awful hard to manage a problem until you can measure it. Mm-hmm. So let's get a full measure of the problem, find out what kind of effort it's going to take and resources to actually work it and and find some resolution. And ultimately, public safety for everyone is the goal.
0: Are you using any sort of predictive tools in terms of uh, we're hearing a lot of stories from different parts of the country where uh, data is used to be a predictor on where crime might be happening or areas that you need to focus on. Uh, do you use any of those tools?
3: It, uh, we, we do, in a sense. We have uh, what's called heat mapping. And so it will actually break down the, the map of Sioux Falls, and you can get pretty granular with it. And it will show different colors where you see an increase in things mm-hmm. happening and then cooler areas where where things are, are Decrease, And so by using that, it kind of gives you a sense of, okay, we need to kind of uh, focus some of our patrol efforts over here or we'll have an initiative over here. Uh, and, and so that way it's very helpful. And those are, there's more tools like that all the time to uh, help law enforcement managers to actually just better police mm-hmm. their, their, their cities.
0: Are you uh, cognizant and aware of some of the criticisms of that in terms of uh, I don't call stereotyping, that's the wrong word, but focusing on areas um too, uh, too deeply, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, the computer
3: doesn't know who
0: committed the crime. They mm-hmm. just know
3: if a report was made. And mm-hmm. so they're just telling you where there's more reports of crime coming. And so it's then it's up to the, the law enforcement managers and the supervisors to t- try to get a, a sense of that dynamic of that neighborhood or that area. Mm-hmm. And then again, employ, apply the, the, the officers in a way that makes sense, that's smart, that's intelligent, and that, that uh, gets results.
0: Yeah. I've seen a lot of officers out on the uh, Greenway lately. Is that a new area of concentration for you guys, or is it just because it's a warm out?
3: Well, it's warm out, and, and things are cy- cyclical in our city. We'll have areas pop up that require more attention, whether it's a speeding concern or, or a driving concern, or maybe there's an area where, you know, you've had some uh, subjects hang out that uh, are, are of a concern to mm-hmm. someone. And, and so you just, you know, it's, it's ever-evolving
0: in our yeah. great city. I'm just going to go sit there. I'm going to go hang out there for a while and see what's going on, right? All right. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. It's a safe <laughs> no, area. I mean, for you guys, right? <laughs> yeah. You'll just go, oh, I'm going to go drive my motorcycle down there and just make sure everything's okay.
3: Well, that's that's just part of a, of a responsible active patrol is to just get in all areas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's some areas certainly you want to concentrate on more because you have more, you know, calls or concerns there. and cops know where those are at mm-hmm. but uh you know we need to be seen and have a profile and a presence out and maybe some more of the far-flung areas too yeah. uh, everybody's a taxpayer and they they have the same expectations and rights to uh, uh,
0: police service in all areas of the city uh square footage wise square mileage wise it's a Big chunk of land to cover, isn't it?
3: Yeah, we're north of 78 square miles in our fair city now. And so that's one of the metrics that we plug in, uh, along with many others, to try to, to determine, you know, what what is our fte ask going to be? Yeah. How many officers are we going to need to keep up with the growth of the city, with our growth in call volume, with the uh, reports, uh, to ma- manage uh, response times? And there's, so there's several things we look at.
0: Yeah. We're going to come right back and talk more with Chief Matt Burns from the Sioux Falls Police Department. Right after this short message, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 449 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Sioux Falls Police Chief Matt Burns. And uh, we've hit all kinds of topics. We talked about drug enforcement. We talked about, uh, you know, uh what did we talk about? We talked about some good stuff but I want to ask you now about <laughs> about the uh, uh, news on the report to work stations, which uh, some folks said sounded suspiciously like uh, precincts. Um, uh, you've obviously been asked this question before but what's the difference between this report to workstation and a precinct which was an issue in the in the mayoral campaign but
3: yeah, you know this is something that we've actually been looking at for a few years now over over two and a half years. Um, I've been talking to my uh, peers in the, in the fire department about maybe looking at some space in in a uh, one of the fire stations to maybe add on and have, you know, a locker room, a, a lineup room, some offices for supervisory staff, maybe some parking lot space. So we could have... A separate report to work location takes some of the pressure certainly off the law enforcement center Uh, since 2003. You know, we've added quite a few folks and we're starting to feel the pressure there. Things are getting a little tight in the parking lot, in the locker room, in the workspaces. So we feel also that it would be uh, nice to be able to have a report to work location in some of the higher call volume areas of town. We actually commissioned a study along with the, uh, the fire department. It was uh, talking about the public safety training facility as well as the report to work location study and a, the next fire station study and it, it pretty much pointed to what we already had a sense of is in the southwest part of Sioux Falls is where some of our higher call, call volume is. That's not a surprise to us, Patrick. We've got the Empire Mall there. We've got uh, the busiest intersection in the state of mm-hmm. 41st and Louise. You've got the Walmart Corridor, you know, the Meadows Corridor. You know, there's lots of retail, and there's where there's lots of shoppers and, and traffic, there's lots of call volume for, for police. Um, and so... We're looking in those outward areas and then we'll also be looking in the future to the southeast part of town to add another. But to your question about uh, precinct uh, versus report to work location, those in the law enforcement business, uh, when they hear the word precinct, that is a, a police uh, entity that has its own command staff that uh, t- does all its own statistics for that area that they, that they uh, cover They have their own investigators and detectives assigned, and they have, it's basically just a mini police station Mm -hmm. and of its own entity, not unlike a, you know, a mini municipality versus a larger municipality. Um, So what we're proposing is is what we feel Sioux Falls needs, and that's not a precinct, but that is, again, a separate report to work location. So officers uh, would have their own evidence drop-off out there. Uh, They would report to work out there, get their shift information, their line of information, have their locker room spaces, get their uh, you know, vehicles and report to work right there and begin their shifts. So there is there is some distinct differences. Um, and like I say, we feel that Sioux Falls needs a, a couple of these locations. We'll start on the west side and southwest Sioux Falls mm-hmm. and, and then go with the growth of the city.
0: Uh, it's not your job to be, you know, involved in mayoral politics, but it was a discussion during the mayoral campaign Um is it is it is it fair at all to say that uh, the idea didn't maybe get the, uh, the 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 attention or maybe the credibility that it deserved when it first came out I mean, Jolene Letcher had said we need precincts and people were kind of poo-pooed it that's again you're the, you're the you're a civil servant you're not a politician but what it, and it was something you was under consideration but when it came up Did you say, well, that's something that's under consideration, but it's not exactly what we're talking about, or or nobody asked you the question?
3: I was not asked. Um, I met with uh, a number of the candidates, as you would expect, Mm -hmm. to give them a a briefing. They had interests about the direction the city was going as far as crime rate and what the police department was doing. Mm -hmm. Had some very, very good and productive discussions. I certainly won't talk about those, what those were, Mm -hmm. but what I will say is I appreciated that uh, all candidates coming in and being engaged asking the right questions and just caring for our city. I think that makes for a healthy process and th- and that's what occurred. You know, there's uh, there's some things that uh, said, well, it should be this or it should mm-hmm. be this, and at the end of the day, reasonable folks can get together and and uh, when given the facts, we we'll, should get a true sense of what the needs of our city are and uh, you know, we'll just uh, again put those resources in the right spots to address those needs and that's what we're doing.
0: Chief Matt Burns, he has been your Sioux Falls Police Chief for almost 3 years. Uh, and uh, we're going to have him back again real soon. Uh, Chief Burns, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. You betcha. Had fun. Coming up after the break, we'll chat about what's coming up tomorrow and look forward to the rest of the week. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 4.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. It's Sioux River Folk Fest this weekend at Noon Hills. You're not going to want to miss that. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Three days of music, food, beverages, and more. Presented by the South Dakota Friends of Traditional Music. Go to KSO.com for more information on the event and the schedule. Coming up tomorrow, Pat Powers from Dakota War College will be here. John Meyer and Jason Ball will tell us about, hey, Sioux Falls, an entrepreneurial Award. And the Bad Mother joins us for Weird Friends. That's all tomorrow on The Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.